Welcome to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. What's up, guys? We are live with the Short-Term Rental Pro Podcast. I'm here today. Matt is a real estate agent, mortgage broker, short-term rental investor, and owner of an Airbnb co-host property management company. So really, Matt wears about all the short-term rental hats you could possibly wear and has been extremely creative to build the impressive portfolio that he has. Matt, thank you so much for joining today. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Man, I think the last time we spoke, you were on a mountain bike ride or hike or run or something, which is, I think, what you do almost every day anyway. We were like, I was like, hey, are you winning? I was like, yeah, man, I'm just at my 10th mile of my run. I'm like, how are you talking to me? <laughs> but it's a skill, unfortunately. I think after that, I got a stress fracture not too long after. <laughs> so maybe oh, needed to tone it down a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, either way, awesome job staying fit while you build your businesses. It's not easy. Not everybody can do it. So kudos on that. I appreciate it. So, so Matt is, he's based in Michigan. Where do you live in the Detroit area? Where do you Matt's actually live? Detroit area. Yep. There's a city called Royal Oak. I'm from Royal Oak. We got rentals here. Airbnbs here as well. Metro Detroit in general has been good. It's been a good, where I kicked off my STR and long-term portfolio. This year I closed on my 51st home. So I got 51 now, 31 are Airbnbs owned. And then we co-host almost another 30 on top of that. So it's been a lot. Meanwhile, you're closing deals for clients. Yep. You're also underwriting or a loan, not a loan provider, but I guess no. It's between a mortgage yeah. broker versus yeah. That's why it's confusing. Yeah, there's loan origination, there's mortgage brokering, right? So our mortgage brokers, what we do is we get in touch with all the lenders and options for people that are looking for various types of loans, DSCR, bank statement loan, second home loan, primary loan, you name it. Our whole goal is with my partner, we actually we started, we actually met as underwriters back in the Quicken Loans days when we worked there together. What's cool is myself and Byron, we've both been doing flips, we've been doing burrs, we're doing Airbnbs. So when people call in and they want to know, hey, what's a great product for this? Like, hell, we've used them all. And so it's like, there's nothing like talking to somebody that not only sells it, but uses it, right? Like we actually are still out there buying, doing our thing. And that's the biggest thing. That's probably where the most natural conversations come with our clients and our friends and our students. The biggest thing we want to do is be the people that are actually doing it, talking it, living it, rather than the guy like, yeah, I used to flip. Yeah, I used to do STRs. You should buy this. What would you buy? I wouldn't buy it. I don't buy anything anymore. Like you and I, Jeremy, we're living what we do, right? We don't just tell people, hey, it's a good idea. No, we're out there buying. You just bought another one. You bought another cool, probably the best financing I've heard in months. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, create creative finance is definitely the wave right now. But Matt, so you do a lot. You're obviously, but you're, and what I want to get into, and I think is unique to you is that you have Michigan kind of unlocked, not only the Detroit area, but a lot of these more rural places where there's no data. A lot of people, a lot of people, again, the short-term rentals, they, when they look at a house, they want to make sure a lot of investors want to make sure that there's reliable, comparable properties in the area. And you have like a really good understanding of the potential for the property. Matt has been traveling in the unknown space for his entire career. He's been buying where not that there was even a lack of data, 
He was buying where there was no data. So Matt, what can kind of give your background on your evolution as a short-term rental investor? And also I want to parlay that into how you've like kind of your investment thesis of buying where there isn't data and what you can do to be proactive and make sure that, you know, you're going to get the desired outcome, even though you don't really know going into the swing of things. This is such a Kenny Bedwell conversation I've had. Yeah. SGR Insights guy. So for how am I, I kind of just take you on my journey. My first STR, I was buying, it was actually an, a long-term property I already owned and the uh, tenant was coming up and I said, you know what, this S, this Airbnb thing is kind of getting interesting. I wonder if this could work down there. And I started thinking about it, like, what's my risk? What's my risk? Furnishing, a couple months of not booking, then I guess I'd have to sell it. A couple more weeks of downtime between setting it up and removing it if I had to. But I was like, I, to be frank, I just wanted, I wanted something new. I was feeling kind of stagnant in my long-term investing career. And I wanted to try something that got me excited again. So I said, you know what, screw it. Worst case, I'm out, maybe 10 grand in furnishing. This is back then. This is five years ago. It was my first STR. I go which, through- Which is like a hundred years ago, short-term rental years. Yeah. I got my STR cane in the back right now, like hobbling around. <laughs> uh, but an old man. He's a- I am an old man. man. I got war room. Like, <laughs> so- Joking. You don't know you're accurate though. So I got to go up and running and I was like, you know what? Hey, this is actually making probably 70% and sometimes hundred percent more net income than what my long-term was doing. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Another reason why I tried this was it's a nicer, older town, kind of a sleepy eyed town, but it's dense enough. There's it's close to the Detroit river. It's called Wyandotte and it's cute. There's just some cutenesses to it, but there's nothing really drawing to it. But I, there's just some part of me said, my gut feels good about this. I don't think I'm going to lose here. I went for it. It went well. The next town, I went to more of an inner city sit area that some people would consider kind of uh, rough at the time. It's now Detroit, um, kind of Detroit. It, it was, it's very Detroit. It's just outside of Detroit. It's adjacent to it. It's now flourished. It's great. It's a lot of improvements in that city, but we went for it and I said, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to try it again. I'm going to try it again. Let's just, let's bet it on now. Hazel park is where we did. And Hazel park was a little shoddy at first, but man started making, I bought that property for maybe 60,000. And this, of course, this is like four and a half years ago now, but I was making like 4,500 a month on it. So what's my mortgage on 60 something thousand? Like it was like $400. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't mad about it. Let's just put it like yeah. that. I was like, Holy worked. yeah, I'm like two for two. And then I got my third one that worked. My fourth one, I was like, you know what? Screw it. Fifth, sixth, seventh. And before I knew it, I just kept going. And I started realizing what I was seeing, what I was presuming, it was all coming true. My understanding of the market and what people needed, it was just working out. And so I, I had to keep going. And before you knew it, last, about a year and a half ago, I started going to the STR conferences because I just heard about them. And I'm seeing these people on stage, they're all saying like, this is how I got to five and 10 properties. And I'm like, that's cool. And then I get in these small groups and they're like, well, how many do you have? And I think I was at 20 something at the time. And they're kind of dropped their jaw and they're like, what do you, how are you at 20 something? You mean arbitrage, right? And I go, no, I own these. And they just couldn't believe it. Like, why aren't you teaching? Why aren't you like spreading the word? And I was like, I guess I could. And so I started like looking at doing consulting work. I started sending deals to people that, to actually like sell STRs. I found out I was one of the first people doing that too. So to your point, yeah, I've just been doing it. And I was kind of like a 
groundhog was just busy tunneling doing my thing looked up one day and uh apparently i had a hell of a tunnel so now i'm kind of trying to share that in my experience my map method if you will and my map method is it's kind of simple honestly it's changed now with the introduction with air dna and str insights because now there's actual data to to come and review but generally it starts with a do i like the pop do i like the city do i like the population size the density is that somewhere i would want to visit because obviously the lake fronts become more rural more seasonal and as i kind of like thought about it i said okay i'm gonna, i bought one in traverse city traverse city is up here traverse city was i think my first big jump it was almost four hours away from my hometown and i bought it right around my wedding and i said you know what this could be a really beautiful house if nothing else we'll use it as a second home but i think it's going to make money but if it were worst case it breaks even let's try it out right so i buy it two three weeks before our wedding my wife was going to kill me we furnished a house in two three weeks i ended up having our wedding brunch there on the saturday of the wedding and it was great but we start renting it the following month and we start realizing man this thing is actually holding its own in its first two months and by the first summer we had some 5k net months and i was like this is epic this is fantastic we did really well on this one and i started realizing okay i did my scariest most expensive buy the furthest out in a new area i had to rebuild all of my systems all my handyman my cleaners and what did i do i do what anybody that's trying to make something work does right remember when you went back to your first days you're like i gotta make this work i gotta double check my numbers you gotta reach out i started I jumped into every Facebook group. I called every handyman. I tried everybody until I found somebody, every cleaner until I found the right person, every hot tub cleaner until I found the right person. And honestly, after about two months of troubleshoot, troubleshooting, the home was operating pretty well. And now it's making money and we still love it. And occasionally we get to visit it when it's not being rented. And from there, we've bought more lakefront properties. And the key factor is, do you see that people want to buy there? People will want to enjoy that time. When you go up there to even review the property, do you see a community? Is there food around there? Are people out there fishing? Are they snowmobiling in the summer? Are there parties and festivities in January, February? There's ice culture. There's ice fishing. Michigan is weird. Like compared to people that are used to Sunbelt states, this is a weird state. But I'm telling you, Michigan people, they are used to snow. They're used to ice. And what do they do in the winter? They find ways to enjoy it, right? We still have snowboarding. We still have skiing. Nothing like the Appalachians or the Rockies, of course, but people find ways to get out there and enjoy it. And I honestly think with the introduction of SDR Insights, AirDNA, how much more data there is now, what you can do is kind of the enemy method at this point. You can look at properties that are in the area. There's usually a handful, maybe there's 15, 20, depending on how dense you are. If you're in inner city, it could be- Where hundreds. five years ago, there was like nothing. So now there's actually- you know, There was my property, like, oh, that's mine. Oh, that's mine. Oh, that's mine. Like, that's all it was, right? But now you've got, got neighbors. Totally. Like, and like, think about Orlando, like Orlando is one of the most saturated communities, right? And yeah, I bring it up 35,000 in Kissimmee. Dude, yeah. exactly. Like think about how dense it is over there, but they're still finding ways to gain traction. New things keep popping up every day and they're outdoing each other on what? Furnishing, styling, amenities, right? So mm -hmm. what do I do here? I just make sure to out furnish, out style, out amenity anybody else in my local area. I make sure my property is so cool. Like you go, even if it is more expensive, I want to stay at that property. And I've literally got on, I got one with a shout out to Sarah Carwell. Oh, sorry, Lidewell of the Carwells. Yeah, oh, we got one. I get um, that. That happens to me too. Yeah, Sarah, know, Sarah and Emily. It's their fault. Emily's awesome too. That's her partner. They both bought properties with me too. They're awesome. But 
Sarah and I decided to take a shot at this property called Orange Cadillac now, and it worked out smashingly. I even I ran it by Kenny. Kenny was like, I see the property is beautiful. I see the amenities. It looks awesome. I would want but to But I can't. There. There's, not, there's no data to suggest. He was yeah. like, he's like, it's crazy. I don't think you're crazy, but this is too crazy. And I was like, and I didn't take offense to that. And Kenny didn't mean offense. Kenny's awesome. I love Kenny. But I said, Kenny, I'm going for it. I'm shooting yeah. it. because I, I, I remember. I yeah. remember Sarah posting on, on Instagram, like, Hey guys, like, I love this property, but there's just no data out here. So like, please someone like, please someone buy it. And like, this was, and I looked it up and I was like, damn, this might be one of the sickest things like I've ever seen. Like you've got the rooftop pool, you're yeah. like a half block away from the downtown area. You're two blocks away from a lake. I was like, damn, this just looks so sick. And then the next day she was like, never mind, under contract. <laughs> like, like, sorry, couldn't like, like, I don't care about the data. <laughs> like, let's just, it just, and that's what's kind of, I think, cool or funny about short-term rentals is a lot of the time, like there is some like intangible aspects of things that really is that vibe. Like I'm going to call sure. it the vibe. I'm going to call it the Matt vibe method. Thank you know, we you, got man. Matty Ice in the house. He just, he goes over, he sees people on the ice house. But he, know, he knows that, he knows that people want to go there. And I bought a house, one in the Smoky Mountains. I actually bought it from Tyler, who we were talking mm-hmm. on before this. But it was like no data on it. I didn't even try to say there was any data. But it was just like, I just know this is a cabin with a view. And if we renovate it, add some more square footage, it'll be a big cabin with a view. And that's like, that's what people want. Even And they're willing to go an extra 40 miles this way or this way to get it. So... I guess my point here is like, you guys did that property and walk me through. Cause I think, I mean, Sarah was explaining that deal to me and I want to kind of parlay this into how you've like leveraged partnerships to grow your portfolio. But how did you guys tell me about the inner workings of that deal? Because that was a pretty unique one. Man, I don't even know where to start. Do you want to talk about the property or the process and partnership? Yeah. First let's, we can paint the picture of the property and uh, yeah, we can paint the picture. I mean, it looks, it's, I mean, it's big it's and it's cool. orange. <laughs> it's orange yeah it's definitely orange like matt it's um, like matt's hair yeah it actually matches very well actually this strand right here so this property like we, if you looked at any hundred properties that were lakefront or lake proximate in michigan at the time when you saw just the listing photos alone you're like dude that is cool there's something so cool about this and people didn't and, want it people didn't want to buy it personally because it was like so close it was over engineered it was ridiculous it would not have made sense for most modern families. And it was more, one of the most expensive houses in the city. It sat on the market for about a hundred days. We actually have gotten a lot of crap from people saying, you stole this, like this, you took away housing from our city. Like, Nobody touched yeah. it for a hundred days. It's the most expensive property in the area. Like, did we? Let's be fair, right? Sorry, I get a little razzed I, up. I get, enough, I get enough of those too. Don't worry, you're in good company. <laughs> Thank you, brother. So, we're looking at it and I'm like, I send I, Sarah and I, we would do almost weekly. We'd go through a bunch of properties and we kind of go, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I kept bringing this one up. She's like, damn, dude, I like this one. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I'm saying. I think there's a chance. And then one day it just clicked and we started underwriting it. We started getting serious about it. We're like, we think it might actually work. And so one thing that was helpful that helped me even want to pull the trigger on it was actually Sarah. This is where Sarah shined brightly, brightly. <laughs> that's a funny joke because she was one of the first people I ever knew that brought a quality Airbnb that was, I would say at the time was, and it's probably still, I mean, she's, she does a really quality design. 
really high quality, one of the best in Michigan period. I think I'm number two, but number two by a margin, but Sarah did Bitely, which was, if you understand the sizes of lakes, it's like a 50 acre lake, which to me is a freaking pond. And Bitely is the size of this block. Pretty much. It's so tiny. There's nobody in Michigan has really heard of Bitely and she went for it. And do you want to talk about a brave woman? That woman is brave. Like I, I would have said, no, this is where Sarah taught me to double down on the feeling of creating a truly attractive property that kind of can soup to your point of your convert of what you bought with Tyler. Something that will say, screw it. I'll go 40 miles this way. I was going to go to Cadillac or Traverse, but I'm going to go to Bitely today. And that's what she did. She created such a beautiful home in Bitely, a no-name city. In fact, no, no offense to the Bitelyans, uh, but it was a, effectively a pond. But she was, if she was able to create, I think it was a six-figure producing property on maybe a, I think it was a 300 or so buy, just phenomenal, just phenomenal. And then I kind of started duplicating what we were doing with Cadillac and what I saw her do with Bitely and what I did with my other previous rentals, started buying on other lakes that people wouldn't consider. And what did I do? I started making money. I remember my, I bought one on Gun Lake. People said, hey, I don't think that's going to do well. It's a sad, actually, even ironically, I think some, one of Sarah's relatives said, I think Gun Lake is terrible. And we made 11K on one of our first months there. And I was like, kind of worth it. <laughs> so I bought it at 350. I was like, that's worth it to me. I, like, that's a great buy. So it's hard. You can buy that again right now. I'll tell you that. What, um, what's the Cadillacs? Because I think you guys probably have about a year's worth of data at this point. Or we're getting close oh, to it. No, it, it's flown by. So yeah, going back to Cadillac. Sorry for the segues. I'm just I, curious. I mean, because you guys got it like 500, right? Cadillac was 500. Yep, 500. We put a good amount of furnishing. We did a little bit of rehab to it. Did a pretty good amount of rehab, actually. If I had to, if I had to say it's probably worth six, 650 right now. Eh, maybe 650. 650 is probably more accurate. But with the work we put into it and launching finally in January, this is the truth. This is the seasonality factor. It was a terrible time to launch. Terrible. January sure. is not a sexy month. Ironically, November and December are pretty solid. Year round. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Lakefront or otherwise, like November, December are pretty solid. But January, February, dicey. February is almost always not good. And then March came. March actually was like, oh, hey. We broke even. I'm like, that's a good sign. We're getting, we're finally starting to get some bookings. We're starting to get somewhere, right? And before you knew it, we had, I think this was three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago now, we found out for the three main months of summer, we had already booked 100,000 alone on just summer. Just and those three months, just June, July, August. On a half million dollar purchase. And I was like, and what we found is summer on lakefront, it's not a perfect number, but it usually counts for about 50% of the income you're going to make for the remainder of the year. Of the year. So if yeah. we double that, if we get 200 on this, it'll be one of the best buys we will have ever experienced. It did take a high level of risk and, and betting, but we were able to validate it to ourselves and our investors. And what we did, Sarah and I were planning to buy it solo. You know, guys, I'm going to do is I'm going to find this damn Airbnb because we're talking about it. So I will find it. Keep talking, Matt. I am finding the orange caravan <laughs> in Caravan, Michigan. Uh, this is Cadillac, 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 orange Cadillac, cat, not orange caravan. Sorry. Yeah. Or <laughs> I don't know. I got the picture of the Dodge minivan now or whatever. It's, I think it's Dodge caravan. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that house, Sarah and I were going to buy it. Initially. I love how I just see it and I see like $64 a night, $200 a night, and then $724 <laughs> a night is uh, right. 
That's about right, man. That's about Looks right. like it's beating the comps by a little bit. I don't know. No, All it's right. it's been good, man. It's been real good. So this house, we were going to buy it just with Sarah and I, and we had some people that were interested in coming in and investing with us. And we were like, you know what? If we could set up a structure that works well enough, maybe we can bring, oh, here we go. Yep. I mean, just look at this. I mean, for you guys on Spotify, I apologize. I can paint the picture for you. It is a, well, majestic backyard with string lights, fire pit, hot tub, pool. Heated patio, waterfall, pizza oven. Just everything. I mean, I don't even know what, yeah, every amenities galore. Yeah. On the inside, they've got like a speakeasy room that has a pool table, a bar. It's got a Beautiful. hidden entrance. Yeah, I'm surprised Ooh. you guys didn't do anything with the garage, honestly, but I guess maybe that's actual parking. That's actual parking, especially in the winter. People are going to want to use that. Yeah, I guess that's a Michigan thing. I don't really ever think. For me, garage equals game room. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. We might do something for the for this coming winter, but right now we're like, let's get this thing ready for summer and mm -hmm. we're here. And plus, this was our first pool home. So we were also trying to get used to like how we're going to run a pool. We had never had a pool here. My first. How many months a year can your pool be available? We got good reviews here. Forty-five months. Maybe I got to get in the cleaners a little bit, but other than that, pretty good. <laughs> we replaced two cleaners. I will say, getting cleaners up north is tough, man. I believe it. It is I tough. Yeah, our big. We actually, not to be too rude here, I'll just it's saying as a fact. You can interpret it as you will. We had a cleaner that just didn't show up a few times. And the last time we're like, Hey, you haven't shown up. Where are you? And after, I think it was the next day we heard back, Oh, I'm getting, I'm birthing a baby. I'm like, you could know you're pregnant. <laughs> a little heads up. We could have worked with you. Of course we had to let her go. Cause I'm like, we can't afford that. And that I, those were the, the reasons. Not yeah. So it's been tougher. I will say the biggest thing about more rural areas is finding consistent workers especially at the turnover speed you need. Like if you need them to do consistent once a week, you're gonna be fine. But if you're looking for people that can sometimes do two or three cleanings in a week, that's a much tougher cleaner to find. And handymen, they usually drive a longer distance and they also are sometimes just a little slower. That's all. Like they're, the work's good, but yeah, those are the challenges with rural. But after a few trial and error moments, you usually always get it figured out. Exactly. And I think something I talk about is that being in rural areas is kind of a moat if you have an operation there, because big time investors who have a bunch of short term rentals already, like they want to go where it's easy. They want to go where they have handyman, where yeah. they have cleaners, where they already have their operations in place. They don't want to go to bumble, bumble crap, have to <laughs> call 20 people to find out whose brother or sister knows how to change a light bulb. Like, or who, who can clean on this day of the week and who can clean on that day of the week? Like, That's like you know, in, in rural areas, there's not just turnover BNB. They've got to use Facebook groups. You've got to, you've got to like talk to people. So, but in my opinion, that's kind of a mo. And I don't know if you've seen that where supply is kind of constrained in some of these rural lakes because, and also people doing it well, the professionals don't really go out into all these places because it's just, there's a little bit more friction. Yeah. It's funny you say that. So I know we're, I know we've segued a few times, forgive me, forgive us, but there's, there's like that enemy method, right? That, and also looking past the data that's currently present. Like there's a deal, it's a million dollar deal in Michigan. 
And I, one of my clients reached out to me about it. I was like, damn, that's actually a really cool house. Like it's worthy of being a $1.1 million house. Right. And I think it's like a six bed, five bath, massive, right? It's right on the canal going out to a lake, which is also feeds into like Michigan. And we're looking at it and we're seeing that the data for the actual house, it has been on Airbnb, but it's been used as a second home. So it hasn't really been like pushed as an actual investment. Meanwhile, there's other homes nearby that have hit like in the 200s, 230, 240, 150. We've seen, you see a couple other comps like that, right? And so I was explaining to this client was, cause they really wanted to get like, I want to see the Airbnb data. I want to see the Airbnb data of what they have. And I was like, it doesn't well, matter. Throw it out the door. That's almost exactly what I said. I was like, it won't matter. They never really treat it like an investment. So even if we see it, it's going to show nothing, right? Well, let's look at what the other ones are. Let's consider the enemy method, right? When you looked at the 224, the house was a hair smaller and honestly, not that attractive. The other 230 or something was a brand new build. It was right there on the, on, I call it the ocean because like Michigan's, it, when you look at it, it looks like an ocean. It's huge. It's, freaking, it's a great lake, right? But on the Great Lakes and it was gorgeous, but I still felt this other house could have amenities that are not present on that, which I, my point was, I was trying to anchor the idea that this should be a $200,000 plus earning property. And I said, you can still have a game room with these three car garage that's already there. The unfinished or no, the mostly finished basement hot tub has even been added. They said, based on the data they had with their Venmo and Zelle earnings, they had made, I think just about a hundred thousand by renting. Which is impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, if they, whether they can prove it or not, if it's about right, that still gives merit to the idea that it could make 200. Right. And in fact, there's multiple homes in the area that show 200. I was like, I think there's a good shot here. So yes, it's about what is kidding 150, 175, 200, 230 is, can your home be better than all those as it's just a home? Yes. So it should give you a really good shot of staying in the 200 range, maybe even exceeding the top data point of the 230. So it's like, you got to look at those things, even on my inner city stuff and Royal Oak, like there's a couple of homes that hit 75 to 120. And my last primary before I moved into this is in Royal Oak too. And we said, you know what, let's get weird. Let's do a crazy theme. So we did the most Marvel theme that's ever even touched Michigan. It's like not, I wouldn't say we'd be a killer in Orlando, but we'd probably hold some water. But we said we want to do something. We want to go a little bit more edgy. We did it. The reviews have been stellar. We made 10,000 our first month of being launched. We were booked the same day we launched. And all we had to go on was you can make 75 to 120 here. If we do what I think we're going to do, we might hit 150 on this house. Right? Because we looked at what's there, what's good, what's not good. We said we can be better than what the best is. We can, be, we can do that. And plus, like our quality of our fixtures, our furnishing, our attention to detail. My, I think my wife's, we have over a thousand five-star reviews, Superhost since it started on our account. I think she's like a 4.95 average. It's like, we could probably run this thing, right? So that's what we're doing, man. We got some like special sports team, like big players that are going to be renting it for a golf outing coming up. Can't say names, but it's kind of cool. It's just cool to see that like, yes, Marvel can even work in random Michigan. Actually, that's funny because, well, two two things there that I want to touch on. First, like you said, you had a client who wanted the current owner's data to to make the investment decision where, yeah, I have, I'm not a broker. I'm not a, I'm not a real estate agent, but I do have a mentorship program and I have mentees who they're looking to arbitrage a property in South Florida. 
This will be the third one that they do. And it's currently an Airbnb. Absolutely garbage photos. You look at the photos on AirDNA, you can see the Airbnb account on one side and the Verbo on the other as the comps. And it's looking terrible. And they asked me, they're like, can you add them together if it's Airbnb on one and Verbo on the other? And I was like, no, you just throw it out. <laughs> like, just throw that out. Like, throw that data out. Like, just it has like one review in the last yeah. year. Like, it looks like the host isn't accepting bookings. Like, you put in a request to book. They don't actually, they don't respond and accept it. Their response rate is like 0%. I'm like, you throw it out. They're like, well, what do you, nope, throw it out. That's not a data point. So I, I like how direct you are. That's how I feel too. It's like, I, like it's tough because you want to help. You want to educate. You want to like beat the Prometheus, right? You want to bring fire to the people. I wish I could say, oh, it's an average daily rate of 529 with a 66% occupancy. But I'm like, I can't. Like that's. <laughs> no, Sorry, I'm drinking no. water. And then the other point I want to touch on was that you're doing a themed Airbnb place where nobody does it. And actually, this most recent house that I'm doing that, I'm kind of trying to do the same thing. Uh, be like, all right, I'm going to go a little Scottsdale with it. I know you said kissing me with the yeah. Marvel. For me, it's like Scottsdale. The house, the house has a pool. Like I kind of want to do a little bit of Scottsdale. But then they des my designers designed it. And I was like, I don't know if the market needs that much Scottsdale. <laughs> like yeah. if we're doing, if you're in Scottsdale has like the theme, the, like the wallpapers, the golf, the little putt-putt. That's like the big signatures of Scottsdale. So I was like, we can, as long as we're doing it a little bit, we're doing a thousand percent more than anybody else. So like, yeah, you're not doing Marvel as well as Kissimmee or Orlando area, but you're just doing some of it when nobody else is doing it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we wanted to be able to rebound to like a more normal, manageable, like style. If Marvel was a complete like loss, I was pretty confident it wouldn't be, but yeah, it worked out. There, and you just what I want to get into. Because we only have a few, uh, a few minutes left here. I know you've been doing is boutique hotels. I know you did one in California, and I yes. think you're doing one in Michigan. Maybe I'm wrong. We haven't talked since then. But yeah, boutique hotels. What that was literally what I'm gonna tell you. So long story short, we the boutique hotel was technically two properties, and we were having some trouble after appraisal trying to keep everybody in line with expiration of contract, and we found that. We can't buy both the properties that were side by side. It wasn't going to be worth mm -hmm. it. So we couldn't buy one and validate it. We had to buy both. One of the sellers was not very amenable. So we finally exited probably like 30 days ago. It was the <laughs> longest, most painful experience. And honestly, it got really emotional for all parties. Very tough. So yes, let it be said that Matt does not win always. I pushed really hard on this one. I really tried like hell to make this deal work. But it just, and unfortunately, it fizzled. And sometimes that's, it's par for the course. We lost probably 20 grand. Uh, in diligence or? Diligence, yep. Diligence, most of the MD was written off. We got pennies back and more or less just because we got sick of just the fighting back and forth. And With, you had one, one of the sellers was amenable. The other one wasn't not willing to budge to make the numbers correct, work. Correct. Yeah. Well, one, and it's funny, the one that was really sweet, like I really, for her, I almost was the only reason I was still doing the deal because she was a really sweet lady and it is what it is, but she was going through some stuff too. But it, that being said, I'll tell you about the California deal. And this is like, I'm, I know this sounds weird. I know a lot of people talk about their wins, but I like talking about my losses because I mm -hmm. learned like crazy amounts on those. And honestly, commercial world is freaking tough, man. I know now what now that I've had my lashings, if you will, I've had my whooping, I know what to do. But I had I came in as a third partner on this hotel. And 
I got brought in because they were looking at some other properties and I told them, Nick's this one, this is a terrible move. Promise you'll get burnt. And they're like, holy crap, like you really know your stuff. Thank you for looking out for us. Most brokers would just say, buy it, it's great. And I'm like, no, I'm not that type. I actually want to have a relationship with you that's not burnt. And so they went, they canceled that. They said, hey man, how do you feel about coming in on this hotel with us? And so by just being a good dude, they're like, hey, come on in. I got a chance mm -hmm. to buy in, I bought in. Now, here are some of my takeaways. I didn't do enough due diligence. I trusted, this is not a knock on the partners per se, but I trusted that they had done the due diligence. And it was kind of, I came in at the ninth hour, which was not a good move. I won't do that ever again. If I don't start the deal, I'm not doing the deal. Or it's not something that's got history of really strong track record doing Airbnbs or boutique hotels. So the idea was to develop the land around it, right? Found out later, they didn't have as much capital as they suggested. They had it, but they spent it elsewhere. Didn't know that became a challenge. This deal was completely dependent on development of the lots of land that came with it, as well as a single family home that came with it. So the first thing we did when we got it, we reneged on some of the process. So we also steered away from the initial goal. It was a pivot, you could say in, in the moment, but by doing that, it really hurt a lot of additional play out. And the final straw that really hurt this property, aside from Coachella being an amazing month, Coachella did like 40 grand for Coachella week, month rather, the styling. I'm big on doing really unique styling, especially if, like you said, Scottsdale, right? You can't do the same boring thing everybody else does. You got to do something unique, be bold. And I said, let's be bold. Let's do something different. And one of the partners is kind of traditionalist. I want to do a very conservative approach. This is what's going on in the area. We should do this. I said, I fully disagree. We got to go, we got to go hard. And I got outvoted, which was mm -hmm. kind of a bummer. We did, it turned out nice. It's, it was a nice, it was a nice update, but unfortunately it was, it didn't stand out. And there, if you look up, I think it's called the Trixie Motel. They did an outlandish thing. I won't say it on air, but if you look it up, it's outlandish, very bright, very in interesting. And they crushed it. They have the highest ADR of any other place in Desert Hot Springs and Palm Springs probably for that matter. But in the end, here we are now, we're looking to sell it actually. It's actually listed, I think for the right person to take it over. We talked about, I mean, we, should, we could pull the capital, build this thing up, get the development done that we needed to do initially. But honestly, I think we just kind of all got beat up on it. And I think somebody else needs to take this in the end zone and crush this property. Are you going to walk out, like, you're going to walk out even, up, down? Um, I mean, if you want to be honest. It's going to be a little loss. And, but you know what? Sometimes you got to pay. You got to pay for your lessons, man. And luckily when I did this, I knew that was a chance. There's a chance that it would be the case. It's not going to be detrimental, but it won't be like, it won't be a proud moment, but that's the key, sure. man. Like if you are only learning from people that only have wins and have never experienced loss or like, oh shit moments, who are you learning from? You like, you can't, something that just happens to like, some people are freaking lucky. Let's just be honest. Like some people are just, all they do, they show up and they win. And that's awesome for them, but you can't teach people luck you can teach from experience though right so that's what you're able to do think about like how you and i have both been able to go out there form partnerships around buying and acquiring properties to the point where we built up everyone's confidence everybody's experience and success we troubleshot we made individual decisions that were hedged and leveraged by having a fraction of our capital in it but using other people to be a part of those decisions so if you had five people now gain that same experience step which has also made it easier for you to grow as an individual and like continue to buy properties on your own now. Right. So it's like what you and I did, we had 
exponential like experience by having all those conversations over and over again, looking at it from different angles and coming to some agreement, right? And that's also, it's funny because as you get better and you have so many successes, you open yourself up to new risks, probably because you get bored, right? And so to be frank with you, the hotel was something I was like, I'm scared of it. Kind of, I'm kind of bored. I'm going for it. So I took a risk that I knew could be damning and it wasn't damning, it hurt a little bit, but nothing I can't recover from, right? But now my next hotel, I was hoping it was going to be that Long Lake Hotel that you knew about. It didn't pan out, but not because I didn't do my due diligence. It didn't pan out because I couldn't keep most sellers in tune. My next one's going to be kick-ass though, I'm sure of it. Got it. So, so what would your pro tip be for anybody listening? Oh man, pro tip. Most people are probably newer, right? I probably have sub three properties. One, one big thing I want to push on is buy. Like arbitrage is great for testing the waters. I did one arbitrage. It was successful, but nothing teaches and also creates. There's three ways to make money on the buy, right? There's the appreciation, there's the cash flow, and there is the tax benefits. I am a huge component proponent rather of buying. I think buying has been huge. And the thing I've undervalued most in my success is how much my properties have appreciated and how crazy beneficial it is to switch from long-term rentals to short-term. The amount you can write off legally on short-term rentals is asinine. If you aren't doing short-term rentals, if you have a long-term rental portfolio and you're in good enough areas to do short-term, for the love of God, switch, switch, get those tax benefits, enjoy it. It's been great. And hey. listen to, to, I talked with Ryan Bakey, who's a short-term rental specific CPA. So if you guys want to learn about the specific tax benefits to short-term rentals, I think we, we touched on it pretty well there. Uh, but yeah, Matt, if anyone listening, how can they find you and how can they get access to the deals you're sending out? Really simple. If you go on my Instagram, TikTok, whatever, check my link in bio. I got an option to sign up for the email list at the bottom and my STR legend course at the top. So if you need anything, just let me know. Once you're on the email list, double check your spam. It comes from my MailJet account. Sometimes the first one goes to and it bounces into your spam. Just make sure you check it. Market is not spam. But you're going to see my emails are not spam. If you're looking for good Michigan deals with some actual real underwriting behind them, real history, real data that's been used from my experience, I think you're going to like what you see. And hopefully in the future, Jeremy and I will have something to combine powers on and share with you guys. Exactly, guys. Stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, Matt, thanks so much for coming today. Thank you, brother. Really great catching up as always. Look forward to catching up again. Guys, that's a wrap. Stay tuned for our next episodes. And as always, give us that five star, share it, send it to your friends. This grows through word of mouth and we're here just to help you guys out. And I hope you guys appreciate that. So everybody have a great day. Matt, Thank you, guys. see you later, brother. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, leave us a five-star rating, like, comment, and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals.